Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Now you probably were expecting Devin this morning, but uh, you get me as a consolation prize. You may remember the game shows we watched growing up. Maybe some of you still watch those game shows, but... Someone would not win the main prize, and they would get a consolation prize, like a lifelong supply of Crest toothpaste or something like that. Well, I'm the consolation prize today. Devin does a great job on these podcasts, but I'm filling in for him today, and we're talking about a very important passage. You may think, now, why are we reading Galatians 1? We've been studying the early church and looking at the book of Acts, and what we're trying to do is build some biographical data on Paul. I think it's very helpful as we follow Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journeys, as we consider what they're trying to accomplish. Who was this guy, Paul? What made him equipped for this job? I mean, you couldn't have a perfect fellow uh, for this job. I mean, he is tailor-made for it. So let's read some biographical data that Paul gives the church at Galatia. Now, there's a reason he's doing this. There is a group of people coming into the church who are of Jewish descent. Now, that's actually being debated right now. This could be a Jewish proselyte, a Gentile who has been converted to Judaism and is really on fire for Judaism. Think about people that are most on fire about their faith usually are converts. So imagine maybe a Gentile that's converted to Judaism or a ethnic Jew, and they're coming into the church at Galatia, and they're saying, listen, Jesus is the Messiah. That's true. Uh, he is the hope of Israel, but you must take on the yoke of Torah, uh, the law of Moses. You must take on the law, and you must be circumcised. You see, it's Jesus plus circumcision. It's Jesus plus kosher dietary food laws. It's Jesus plus Sabbath and all the Jewish holy days. You must obey all these things to be within the covenant. And so Paul is going to build his authority because he's going to take that to task. He's going to say, okay, that's not the way of Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing. And if you circumcise yourself, if you go and you try to obey the law of Moses, well, you've kind of abrogated, you've thrown off the grace of Jesus. You have, he'll say in one place, you have fallen from grace. Pretty serious business. So before Paul can take this to task, he's got to build his authority. Who is he to speak on this subject? So his uh, people that are against him, that object to Paul and his ministry. These Judaizers are what they're called, these folks that want to add works of the old law to Christianity and say it's a salvation issue. They're going to say, well, Paul is really not an apostle. Think about it. Paul, where does he get his authority from? Paul's not with the main guys. I mean, who does he think he is? So Paul's going to show really quick he does have authority, and he's going to show directly where his authority comes from. So let's look at Once again, verses 11 through 24, this is Galatians 1. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism by many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order 
that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remain with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the brother of the Lord. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown to person, uh, to, in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. So in this short biographic, we see several things. He says, listen, this gospel that I'm teaching, this apostleship did not come from man. It came directly from God. He says, okay, look, if you guys are talking about Judaism, I've got the trump card. I was a better Jew than all of you. I was the perfect Pharisee. I was the Pharisee among Pharisees. He'll say that in another place. He said, in Judaism, I was advancing far ahead of my peers. I was a rising star in the rabbinic circles. Paul was going to be the great, the next great rabbi. You know, we trade uh, sports cars, uh, cards uh, about our, our favorite, you know, baseball player, football player. Well, in ancient Israel, they would have rabbi cards. You know, they, these guys were, were the rock stars. They were very popular. Paul was going to be the next great rabbi in Judaism. He is advancing. He has this rabid dislike for the church at this time because he feels like they are violating God's law. And to understand the mind of a Pharisee, they, they thought something like this. Israel had to be holy and pure. They had to be set apart. And if, ho if Israel was holy and pure and set apart in their practice and belief, Messiah would come. These Christians are messing things up. They are distorting the law. They are leading people astray. They are a dangerous, false religion. So he felt it incumbent upon him to go and attack Christians. And he did so violently. He had such a zeal for Judaism, he felt like that was his job to go attack Christians. And then he said, look, God had a plan for me. Even though all those things were true of me, God had a plan for me. He was going to use me in this mission. So he has this conversion experience. The Lord appears to him on the road to Damascus. And immediately after that, we find out where he goes. You know, he goes off the radar for a while. He goes to Arabia for three years. So we know that he's in Arabia for three years. And I think probably what he's doing is working through how Jesus makes sense of the law of Moses. He's probably got his scrolls out. He's reading, he's studying, he's praying, and he's getting ready for this mission. Think of Paul's going to his own kind of Bible college, his self-study, where he is really getting prepared for the mission. I think that's really important to, to take note of that. We just don't send people out in mission. We prepare them. We kind of insulate them for a period of time. We teach them. We prepare them. We equip them. Then we send them out. We don't send them out immediately. I think of uh, Patrick of Ireland, what people call St. Patrick. In his story, he was a, a very well-to-do boy. And, and pirates came and attacked his home villa. And he was taken away into slavery in Ireland. And he worked there. And he had this epiphany that uh, he had faith in Jesus. He came to faith in Jesus as he was this shepherd, as he was this slave. He comes back home. He's no longer that spoiled boy. 
And he goes off to Rome to study for a few years before he goes back to Ireland as a missionary. My point is, throughout church history, people have prepared before they did mission. So I think preachers need to be prepared before they go into the pulpit. They need training. They need time to think through things. Missionaries need to be trained. They need to think through the issues before they just launch out. And that's what Paul does for three years. He is intensively getting ready for what God has planned for him. Then after those three years, he comes back to Jerusalem. He's there for 15 days. He meets with Peter and he meets with James, the brother of Jesus. They're not the ones that give him his apostolic calling. He already has it. He meets with them as equals. They look at what he has to teach and they approve of it. They say, okay, this guy has our approval. They, they don't you know, designate him as an apostle. God does that. It's kind of like this. Jesus, there wasn't some human institution that pointed to Jesus and said, oh, he's the Messiah. No people like John the Baptist noticed it and said, behold the Lamb of God. People noticed the apostleship of Paul because it was given by God. It's kind of like the canon of Scripture. A lot of people argue and say that our New Testament was decided by a church council somewhere. That's not true at all. People throughout church history early on pointed to certain books and said, these books carry the authority of God. They notice what was inherent within these writings, just like people notice within Paul this inherent call to apostleship. It was there, you could tell. It comes from God. And then he goes back home to Cilicia. That's where he's from, that area, in Syria. He'll be with the church at Antioch there. And that's what we're talking about in our sermons and our readings, really, at Westgate, this time at Antioch where this church sends Paul and Barnabas off. That's where he's going to end up. And that's what Paul's referring to here at the end of chapter 1. And then he talks about everyone heard about this persecutor who now is a missionary for Christ. John Stott said this about Paul. I thought this is really a cool quote. He said, Such was the state of Saul of Tarsus before his conversion. He was a bigot and a fanatic, wholehearted in his devotion to Judaism and his persecution of Christ and the church. Now a man in that mental and emotional state is in no mood to change his mind or even to have in ch- have it changed for him by men. No conditioned reflex or other psychological device can convert a man in that state. Only God could reach him, and God did. You hear what Stott's saying? Guys that are that convinced like the Apostle Paul was before his conversion, they're not going to listen to someone else. You're not going to have a Bible study with him and change his mind. No, something supernatural happened. He had an interaction with the risen Lord, and it changed everything. And I think the same is true for all of us. When we have an interaction with the true and living Jesus Christ, it changes people forever. They're never the same again. Well, thank you for tuning in today uh, to this podcast. I hope I I stood in for for Devin at least halfway admirably. Um, He'll be back with us next week. And uh, tomorrow you get David. I'm not making that up. He will be here, and, and David will carry us through with our readings and our podcasts. I hope you have a great day. I hope you tune in tomorrow. God bless.